It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. My name is Kara Carper. I'm a licensed nutritionist, also a certified nutrition specialist. And I just want to welcome you to Dishing Up Nutrition today, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Now, if you are experiencing fibrocystic breasts, endometriosis, or fibroid tumors, we invite you to stay tuned because as nutritionists, we work with women on a weekly basis who have these type of health conditions. And we really want you to become aware of each of these hormonal disorders so that you can realize the nutritional connection to each one of these conditions. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Carolyn Hudson, and I'm a licensed and registered dietitian. And if you are living with uterine fibroid tumors, you may be experiencing those heavy menstrual bleeding, pelvic pain, urinary incontinence, even frequent urination or backaches, and sometimes even leg pain. You know, sometimes these growths become considerably large and can cause severe abdominal pain. Um, extremely heavy periods, like Carolyn said. So many women who are having these symptoms are the same clients that we see as nutritionists because they come to us desperately looking for a solution. And, you know, Carolyn, a lot of people are wanting to avoid surgeries, right? whether that is a hysterectomy or a myomectomy, which is just the removal of the tumor. Right. Still a big surgery. It is a big surgery. So, Anything that we can do to help, we're really, really um, thankful that uh, we are able to help a lot of our clients. But these fibroids, they can grow dramatically during the perimenopause phase because it's during those years um, and before the actual start of menopause that women often have excess estrogen, which is called estrogen dominance. That's right. And If you look at the possible causes of fibroid tumors, there always seems to be an estrogen connection. Right, It always gets back (laughs) to that estrogen dominance piece. And women who experience estrogen dominance seem to be at a higher risk of developing these fibroid tumors. So research has found an association between the development of fibroids and women who got their periods at an early age. Yeah. So know, I think that's a really interesting connection to make that uh, an early period is a sign of excess estrogen. Mm-hmm. I often ask my clients that. Do you remember when you started menstruating? Do you, it Was it earlier than other people around you, other girls around you? Mm-hmm. And often that gives me another clue. Oh, yeah. I think she might have a little bit of this estrogen dominance or excess estrogen. Yeah, and it's great. Like we get that health history from our clients mm-hmm. and get all these clues. Right, right. That's the those thousand questions, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ask, you know, another estrogen uh, connection and the development of fibroids is pregnancy. Because pregnancy tends to be a time when uh, we have higher estrogen levels. Mm-hmm. And there's research that indicates 
a link connecting alcohol and caffeine to the development of fibroids. You know, that's not surprising. But here's what researchers found. Researchers were examining the Black Women's Health Study, and they discovered that current alcohol drinkers had a significantly higher risk of developing uterine fibroids compared to those who never drank alcohol. And, you know, there's also evidence that women who drank more than three cups of coffee per day had a higher risk of developing those uterine fibroids. So there we go. There. There's two beverages. Right. Common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of people drink them. So, yeah, they increase your risk, obviously. So the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services reported that African-American women who are within their reproductive years are at an increased risk for developing fibroids. We might ask, well, why? Is there a genetic connection or is it an estrogen dominance factor? Let's dig a little deeper into this discussion. Sure. So here's a, this, all these connections are so interesting, but researchers found that the risk of developing uterine fibroids is two to three times greater in women who are significantly overweight or obese particularly women who have extra fat in the abdominal area. Sometimes we talk about that as central obesity, Cent, right? More carrying more of the belly fat. Mm-hmm. So listeners, you may be thinking, you know, what is the connection between extra body fat and fibroids? The connection is that uterine fibroids appear to be an estrogen-related disease. And excess weight or obesity has been linked to the higher rates of circulating estrogen and its production. So why does this happen? There are really quite a few uh, reasons. The fact is that extra weight can cause changes in fat metabolism. That results in abnormally high estrogen levels. And there's a direct link between insulin resistance and excess estrogen Mm -hmm. production. That's right. We talk about that with our clients and in our classes. So that insulin resistance is really, it's kind of similar to pre-diabetes. Right, right. You know, people tend to have higher blood sugar levels, more insulin circulating in their blood. So that goes right along with excess estrogen. So generally, when women are not carrying extra weight, uterine fibroids appear to decline and shrink in size after menopause. But for women who are carrying extra weight after menopause, it's those extra fat cells that increase that estrogen circulating in their bodies. You know, 68% of the population right now are overweight. So let's talk about how can people shrink these fibroids? Yeah, that's a Great. <laughs> Let's get, get to that. Going. Let's get to the good stuff, right? Yeah. I think the good news is that even a small amount or gradual weight loss, like 5 to 10% of your body weight, actually lowers your risk of chronic disease. So if you weigh, well, let's say, 200 pounds, losing 5% would be 10 pounds and losing 10% would be 20 pounds. After teaching several nutrition for weight loss classes, I find that most of our clients uh, average at least about 12 pounds um, weight loss in Mm -hmm. the the 12-week class. So they form new habits and a new way to eat that is really anti-inflammatory and 
also helps reduce that body fat. So then Mm -hmm. less estrogen is actually produced. So it's kind of that vicious cycle, isn't it? Like that excess estrogen goes along with more body fat, more body fat creates more estrogen. Yeah. So like you're saying, it's so important just losing even a little bit of weight. a little bit of weight is really, really important. So in our Nutrition for Weight Loss program, our emphasis is on avoiding consumption of those processed carbs, you know, which in turn then, just like you just said, reduces insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. The less sugar and processed carbs, the less insulin needed to control blood sugar levels. The less insulin, the less estrogen produced. It's complicated. It's a very complicated biochemical process. So to simplify it, mm-hmm. maybe we should just say, <laughs> cut out those processed carbs and cut out, you know, to cut out all of those toxic, unhealthy estrogens. And in turn, that's going to reduce your fibroid growth. Right. So the bottom line, you're Carolyn, you just said cut out processed carbs. Yeah. Cut to help out. shrink those fibroid tumors. Interestingly, a study published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology found that women who followed a weight loss diet with an exercise plan saw over a 20% reduction in excess estrogen levels. Reducing weight by reducing the fat cells can decrease estrogen levels. And really, that's what's going to help shrink the fibroid tumors is reducing the estrogen in the body. Yeah, all those toxic estrogens that are circulating. So now let's talk a bit about um, the risk of fibroid tumors. You know, one main concern is excessive, heavy bleeding. And in fact, you know, I just had a client email me uh, the other day and she said, Oh my gosh, I've been bleeding for 23 days. Oh, wow. And that's, that's as a result of our fibroid tumors. So we're going to be working <laughs> on that, mm-hmm. getting that going. So we see many clients who have become anemic. Um, and in fact, that was one of her things. So she said, now I'm getting lightheaded. And I said, oh, go, you know, definitely you need to go and get your hemoglobin level checked because I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Right, right. Bleeding that much. I mean, I would be surprised if she was not really low in iron. Right, right. Exactly. Um, So, you know, some of those women have hemoglobin numbers of 10 or even lower. And these women are often very, very fatigued and um, often in a great deal of pain. Mm -hmm. So, I think it's time for our first It is time break. for the first break. Yeah, so you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Uh, we are discussing the estrogen connection to fibrocystic breasts, endometriosis, and fibroid tumors. It may surprise you that all hormonal issues commonly have a nutrition connection. So if you have questions for us today, give us a call in studio, 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Have you noticed the many news stories about the latest study? It reported fewer Americans today are trying to lose weight than in previous years. It was such an interesting study. Um, Because today, two out of three American adults are considered to be overweight or obese. And we've all heard that being overweight or obese may increase the risk of a lot of health problems, things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and certain cancers. 
So why do you suppose Americans have, or some Americans, have stopped trying to lose weight? There's several possible reasons that have been discussed. You know, these are all hypotheses. Um, People are just kind of speculating what's going on. And one thing is that primary doctors may not have time. They may not feel comfortable discussing a patient's weight. Um, You know, another thing is that it's becoming a little more acceptable that to carry a few extra pounds. Yeah, isn't that it's just becoming more sad. I think more common. Yeah, more common. Yeah. Definitely. And then also people might just be tired of doing these low calorie, low fat, starvation type diets to lose weight. You know, I mean, if I were eating a low calorie, low a starvation diet, I may throw in the towel as well. Oh, for sure. You know, I would. it's not sustainable. <laughs> and Carolyn and I, we really understand that last one for sure. So I am just so pleased to be able to teach people that there's another way to think about managing their weight and managing their health. Um, We've talked before about our Nutrition for Weight Loss program. It's certainly not about eating less. It's actually about eating more. More food to support metabolism, control those blood sugars, reduce those sugar cravings, and support your health and well-being. So when we teach these classes, our primary focus is helping people to make changes in their daily lifestyle habits. That's really what it's all about. We want it to be sustainable for people. So in our classes, we talk about things like how do we eliminate, how do people eliminate habits that hold them back from being healthy and moving forward to incorporate habits that are going to help them be successful. You know, a really simple one that we always teach people is to move forward, you need to eat breakfast. And that's a hard one for a lot of people. They say, I've never eaten breakfast ever. Or maybe they had a bowl bowl of cereal and we're saying, you know, eat some eggs, have some nitrate-free bacon, have some sautéed spinach, cook it in butter. So again, it's learning to eat more, not less to support your muscles, support your metabolism. And eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. We Not have at we all. have great recipes in those classes and you know, people share stories. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of learning that goes on. And our main goal when we at Nutritional Weight and Wellness and with the Nutrition for Weight Loss series is just to help people to feel better and be healthier. Again, eating real food in balance is that key, isn't it, Carolyn? Yes, absolutely. So if you have questions for us today, please give us a call. We're here in studio, 651-641-1071. You know, before we went to break, you were talking about some of the detrimental effects of uterine fibroids. Yeah, that heavy bleeding. Heavy bleeding leading to low iron and being anemic. Um, You had said women often get fatigued, have a great deal of pain. Another sign of anemia could be lightheadedness, Mm -hmm. shortness of breath. I had a client two days ago who um, came in with low iron. She had just been tested and she said, I was so tired I could barely walk a flight of stairs. And she had stopped exercising because she was so fatigued and short of breath. Mm -hmm. So those were all signs that she had low iron and it was confirmed by labs. So, you know, people are wondering, what do we recommend? Um, Well, it's it's really just following 
a real food plan of eating healthy proteins, healthy fats. I usually take that nutrition for weight loss plan and tweak it a little bit um, and suggest that my clients with fibroid tumors have the majority of their vegetables be, or excuse me, carbohydrates be vegetables. There we go. Yeah. And the, the vegetables that we really like are what? Those cruciferous ones, right? Exactly. So that would be broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, spinach, cabbage, Swiss chard. Those are all cruciferous veggies that are going to help the body detox and get rid of excess estrogens. Um, And to be honest, clients tend to lose weight more effectively when they're eating most of their carbs as vegetables. And it really supports the liver, too. Yes. For that detoxification. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the next step that I like uh, to make sure my clients are not struggling with is constipation. Because when women are constipated, the estrogen oftentimes just continues to kind of circulate in the body and therefore will not be eliminated naturally. To stop that constipation and restore kind of normal bowel habits, I typically suggest four to six capsules of mixed Mm -hmm. magnesium. Can you, do you mind talking about why the mixed? Yeah, there's two forms of magnesium that we tend to use the most, um, and magnesium glycinate as well as magnesium citrate. And it's the magnesium citrate that really helps with those bowel movements. And the magnesium glycinate also helps with... um, relaxing the blood vessels mm-hmm. and and this is the one that people really love for sleep as well. Oh, the yeah. combination of the two yeah. are really helpful for bowel oh, movements. Oh, that's great. That's great. I might also suggest a supplement called Astrofactors and that is a supplement that supports the liver's ability to detox excess estrogens. And Astrofactors, it's a really high quality product from a company named Metagenics. And it helps people have maintained healthy estrogen metabolism. Yeah. So if you have fibroid tumors and they are starting to give you trouble, or even if you have fibroid tumors um, and they aren't causing any excess bleeding or pain, we believe it's really healthy to get on a plan to reduce the size of those fibroids before they become problematic. You could just set up an appointment with one of, with one of us at Nutritional Weight and Wellness and get a plan for you, and it will be specific to you. Remember, we consult clients in person, over the phone, on Skype. Whatever works for you is mm-hmm. going to work for us. I have found that shrinking fibroid tumors, it can be kind of a complex process. But we know that a dairy-free sugar-free food plan that really focuses on vegetable carbohydrates and high-quality meats as well. You know, we we say healthy proteins, and what we mean by that is grass-fed organic meats, wild-caught fish, um, and then those healthy fats, of course, butter, coconut oil, avocado, olive oil. That is really going to support and balance hormones. So it can be kind of complicated, though. So like like you said, Carolyn, we do recommend working with a nutritionist because sometimes we might need to choose a, a specific supplement yes, and yeah. get more specific. 
Yeah. Well, boy, it's just about time for our second break. Yeah, let's break. take a break real quick. It. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Here's a great question for all our listeners out there. Do you think it's possible to actually prevent Alzheimer's disease? New research conducted at Cambridge University suggests that a significant portion of the population with Alzheimer's could have actually prevented their disease by making different lifestyle choices. So stay tuned uh, because we're going to discuss some of those small changes you can make that will bring about a significant difference. Again, if you have questions for us, please give us a call in studio, 651-641-1071. Hey, Cravings, what's up? Not you, because I'm taking you down. Oh, didn't see that coming? Because I've always buckled under your pressure? Well, this is my house now. So bring it, ice cream. You want a piece of me cake? I see you in the pantry, potato chips. See, this super chick got herself to nutritional weight and wellness and learned that cravings aren't a willpower thing, more like a blood sugar, mineral deficiency, digestive thing. And eating in balance slays the beast. Animal protein. Healthy fats. Vegetable carbs. The Temptation Taming Trifecta. Make you shrink and me shine. Do I feel deprived? (laughs) Not when I'm armed with my nutritional weight and wellness num-num chucks. So step off, cravings, or I'll swing you into oblivion. I guess I better clean this up. Learn how to conquer your cravings with the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, on-site or online. Visit weightandwellness.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And before our break, Carolyn was talking about making small changes in lifestyle habits that will result in significant differences in the prevention of Alzheimer's. So number one is improve your diet, particularly to decrease unnecessary inflammation. Many studies recommend eating healthy fats like olive oil, olives, nuts, nut butter, avocados, coconut oil, and butter. Uh, Number two, quit smoking. You know, two weeks ago on our show called Brain Boosting Habits, Marcy and Dar were talking about how detrimental nicotine is to the brain. So as nutritionists, we can help you break that chain of addiction. Number three is get moving. Regular exercise is a key lifestyle habit to help prevent that neurodegeneration that causes Alzheimer's. And number four, get plenty of sleep, seven and a half to eight hours of sleep per night. And researchers have found that sufficient sleep appears to be brain protective. How do you establish lifestyle habits that move you forward to prevent Alzheimer's? So just ask yourself these questions. Do I need a nutrition class to help me practice good eating? Do I need to maybe join a gym or an exercise class so I'm going to move my body more? Do I, am I getting enough sleep? Am I getting seven and a half to eight hours for good brain health? So, of course, you know, we're nutritionists, so we're going to go to eating better is going to be the first step. So Always the first continue step, Continue right? to think better, but I mean, I exercise and sleep, I would say those are pretty close behind the eating. So, but your brain really needs to be constantly fed good nutrients for yes, memory. For good memory, right? right exactly. And I guess we have a caller, uh, so I'd like to take that now. Lynn? Yes. You have a question for us. Yeah. um, I was just wondering, my son, who's 20, um, 
He was on antibiotics for um, his acne, and during that course of antibiotics, he ended up getting what we believe is probably thrush or candida. And okay. so um, we put him on a candida diet, and now he's feeling kind of run down, and um, he's a runner, and he says that he just doesn't have any energy, and he has an increased heart rate, and so I was on the internet looking, and it kind of looks like his, maybe those are some symptoms of candida die-off. Hmm. Yeah, it, it could be. What about probiotics? Has, is he on some good, healthy probiotics? Yep, he's taking the um, bifidal balance. And we also did the oil of oregano okay. from your... All right. One of the things I would definitely suggest is to add um, lactobacillus acidophilus because um, that is really quite effective um, at helping, uh, you know, increase the good bacteria. So that's the dominant uh, bacteria in uh, your stomach. And I would okay. take it at night and... Um, and uh, so, so not at the same time that he's doing the bifido. How much bifido is he taking? Um, he was taking um, one to two of those bifidos a day. I would increase that and get it up to mm-hmm. maybe two per meal, about oh, okay. 20 minutes per meal. So that's certainly really uh, key, as well as trying to kind of uh, kill off that um, the, the candida with um, by starving it. So you're, you mentioned a candida diet, so that's no processed foods, low sugar, all right. of that type of thing. So that should also help. And do you have any other suggestions there, Kara? Yeah, I mean, Carolyn, I would definitely start with all of that, and I would give it a couple weeks of doing taking Carolyn's suggestions. Um, if he is still feeling, you know, what might be potentially candida die-off, we actually have a couple great products that might be helpful, and um, one of them is called Biocidin. Okay. B-I-O-C-I-D-E-N. And so that is, um, it's an herbal, um, antifungal, it's antiviral. Um, but also, he could take that along with something called GI Detox. And without getting into too much detail... Um, GI detox has some activated charcoal, and that really helps to kind of mop up what might be candida die-off. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I also read that maybe upping vitamin C might be helpful. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't hurt the immune system. Definitely. But I would go with Carolyn's suggestions of the increase in the good bacteria. Yeah, definitely. Those are important things. Continuing to starve the yeast with, you know, no sugar and... Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, I mean, you just got to flush out these toxins. So maybe more water or something like that. Yeah, a lot of water. A lot of water. Half his body weight at least. And then, of course, in this heat, and if he's an athlete, he's going to want to be drinking a little bit more than that. If he's still yeah. struggling in a few weeks, have him make an appointment because we can really get to the bottom of this for him. Okay, great. Thank you okay. very much for your call today, Lynn. Okay. So now we're going to switch topics a little bit and go to fibrocystic breasts. 
which is a benign, non-cancerous condition, you know. And it's interesting to note that more than 50% of women will experience fibrocystic breasts sometime in their lives. This usually occurs between the ages of 20 uh, to 45. And it's really quite rare in women after menopause, unless, of course, they are taking estrogen. Again, it appears that excess estrogen plays a role in fibrocystic breasts. So we're back to that hormonal thing, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And if you have fibrocystic breasts, rest assured that this condition, it is actually very common and it's benign. So that just means it's non-cancerous. So that's the good news about fibrocystic breasts. So, but let's face it, um, having fibrocystic breasts, oh my gosh, that can be really, really painful and really uncomfortable. So some of the uh, symptoms that women experience are breast swelling, breast tenderness, lumps in one or both breasts, and it's uh, an uncomfortable and often quite painful condition that women, typically, they're not going to be talking Mm -hmm. about it too much. It's kind of a private condition, you know. Dr. Tori Hudson Uh, is the program director of the Institute of Women's Health and Integrative Medicine. And she's also a recognized author, speaker, educator, and researcher. She has found in her 30 years of clinical practice that there is a high estrogen and low progesterone connection to fibrocystic breasts. So I'm just going to repeat that. Women typically have high estrogen, too much estrogen, and not enough or low progesterone and that can lead to fibrocystic breasts. So we, you know, at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we've also found this connection to be true. And we followed Dr. Hudson's recommendations to add in natural progesterone cream one, one or two times per day. And that can help to rebalance that estrogen and progesterone ratio. You know, for most women, a quarter teaspoon of natural progesterone cream is going to be all that they need. And Emerita is one brand that we carry. It's a really great brand. But this fibrocystic breast condition can be kind of complicated. So we really do recommend working individually with a nutritionist. Um, Some other things that we may recommend would be vitamin E or evening primrose oil. But it's going to really be dependent on the client's history Mm -hmm. and exactly what's going on with them at the time. And now our third hormonal topic that we really want to talk about today is endometriosis. And if you have it, Mm. you no doubt know the symptoms very well. So what exactly is endometriosis? Endometriosis can be an extremely painful condition, and it occurs when the endometrial tissue that normally lines the uterus grows outside of the uterus. So this is normal tissue that ends up in abnormal locations. Mm -hmm. These endometrial growths, they can attach to the ovaries, to the surface of the uterus, the pelvic cavity, the fallopian tubes, the bladder, or even Mm -hmm. the intestines. Wow. You know, an endometriosis can cause, like you said, severe pain, uncontrollable bleeding, and it actually can lead to infertility. But that pain can be so intense that some women are spending 
you know, a couple of days a month or more. I've actually heard of women spending a lot more time than yeah. that in bed, missing work, um, not able to participate with family functions. Endometriosis is a fairly common hormonal problem. It affects 7 to 15% of women. And it's found in women usually between the ages of 20 and 45. So 70% of the women that have endometriosis experience severe symptoms that are recurring menstrual cramps, that pain, you know, just month after month. Mm-hmm. They don't get a break from it. And we are coming up on our last break right. here. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Carolyn Hudson, registered dietitian, and I'm here with Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist, discussing the estrogen connection to fibrocystic breasts, endometriosis, and fibroid tumors. Be sure to tune in next week's uh, to Dishing Up Nutrition as Dar and Marcy talk about stopping the disease of aging. You won't want to miss that one. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you would like to start the fall with an upbeat mood, feeling great, I encourage you to sign up for one of our September Nutrition for Weight Loss programs. We have a great deal going on right now. We're offering 20% off of the regular program price, which is already a good deal at $399. But right now you can save $80. So you can join this for only $319. So that's 12 weeks of classes. That includes a two-hour individual nutrition consultation. I feel like that's a really good deal. It is a great deal. (laughs) So call 651-699-3438 to sign up, or you can go to our website, weightandwellness.com, and you can sign up that way as well. Um, We were, before break, we were getting into endometriosis, our third topic of the day, and... um, just wanted to remind everybody that the statistic that it's 7 to 15% of women experience endometriosis between the ages of usually 20 to 45. Mm-hmm. Yes. can be so painful is what we were talking yeah, about. And it is a very common, fairly common hormonal problem. And we realize that there are medications and surgery to control the symptoms. But today, guess what? We want to address the nutritional changes that you can make. Uh, to actually reduce the high estrogen level that most women have with endometriosis. We believe endometriosis is an estrogen-dependent disease. Yeah, so if we can really get those, the high estrogen and the low progesterone levels balanced out, um, the growth of the endometrial tissue is going to be slowed down. And that could eventually lead to an elimination of all of these painful and uncomfortable symptoms. So I always start my clients on an anti-inflammatory diet, which would mean eliminating dairy products. So, you know, no more cheese, cottage cheese or yogurt or ice cream. I always have to throw that in there. Mm -hmm. A lot of ice cream lovers. (laughs) And I also recommend that people get rid of and eliminate soy products. Yeah. Especially the more the processed soy, like soy milk, soy protein, those soy protein bars. And some people that are avoiding animal protein tend to rely on like soy, soy burgers right. and things like that. And I also advise clients to eliminate most grain products, especially those gluten containing grains, 
which should be wheat, barley, oats, and rye. And then, of course, sugar, right? Right. <laughs> That's a biggie. We Can't really want that one. <laughs> I would just say get rid of the sugar. It's mm-hmm. worth it if you're really in that much pain from endometriosis. Yes. Yeah. And who wants to spend days in bed every month? Yeah. Right? You know? So then we really recommend uh, eating uh, grass-fed meats and wild-caught fish so the body isn't exposed to hormones and antibiotic residues that uh, can be in animals and fish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, another reason I just wanted to touch back on the eliminating dairy. I mean, dairy can be inflammatory, but also a lot of times people are drinking like conventional milk mm-hmm. and they would be getting hormones from that as well. So... Just um, another reason to eliminate dairy products is you're not getting those hormones. But we also recommend several servings of vegetables each day. Again, those vegetables are going to help to detox estrogens from the body. Yeah. And lastly, we ask clients to eliminate all those refined and damaged fats. So this means no corn oil, no soybean oil, no vegetable oils. And we replace those oils with beneficial fats, olive oil, avocados, olives, Mm -hmm. coconut oil, butter, nuts, nut butters. Those are all really beneficial fats. And those fats that you ask people to eliminate are very inflammatory the damaged fats. Yeah, the damaged They're fats. They're very inflammatory yeah. for the body. So we also encourage clients to stop drinking alcohol and caffeine. So when we say stop drinking caffeine, you know, that includes coffee, caffeinated tea, cola, and even chocolate contains caffeine. Mm-hmm. In addition, I would add some key supplements as well. I would I would start with essential fatty acids I've really found that having sufficient essential fatty acids is really important for women who have menstrual cramps. Um, They have muscle relaxing qualities and even can repair blood vessels. So essential fatty acids, they're anti-inflammatory. And an example would be GLA. That stands for gamma linoleic acid. Um, and also another essential fatty acid, Carolyn, is, of course, omega-3 fish oil. Right? Yep. So those GLA and fish oil, I would say at least three per day of each of those. At least, yeah. Maybe and Sometimes more. I go up higher depending on the circumstances. Would you, you know? go like three to six yes. per day? Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Depends on the client. And mm-hmm. kind of what's going on. And the other thing I always recommend is 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium glycinate, you know, to my clients who are experiencing those menstrual cramps or even leg cramps, because magnesium is this amazing mineral that nearly three quarters of the population is deficient in today. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about just a couple of um, signs of being deficient of magnesium? Well, I think those leg cramps is the one that pops into <laughs> leg my Leg cramps, mind. insomnia, high blood pressure. Yeah, magnesium glycinate naturally lowers our blood pressure. Yeah. So yep. that's great. Chocolate cravings. That mm-hmm. If you have chocolate cravings, that's actually a sign that you could be magnesium deficient. <laughs> right. But, you know, on top of that, I would, as a nutritionist, I would take a deeper look and I would determine how to help each client eliminate those high toxic estrogen levels. There's a, there's one more supplement that I'd like to talk about. 
It's a go-to supplement of mine called Meta I3C. This is a Metagenics product. And if listeners are wondering what that stands for, it's Indole-3-Carbonol. I don't want to get too technical, but Meta, you know, that I3C is Indole-3-Carbonol. And you may have even heard of that. It's designed to promote healthy estrogen metabolism. And people really have great luck with that. It really just helps the body get rid of the excess estrogens that we keep talking about. Uh, We have many other suggestions to reduce high estrogen levels, but our airtime is limited. We're coming up to the very end. So this is really kind of all we have time for today. And again, all of these hormonal health conditions are very complex and, and the symptoms uh, and the solutions really need to be based on uh, each individual. We believe that each and every one of these conditions is related to excess estrogen and diet and key supplements can help to rebalance you. So if you're suffering from any of these conditions, it may be time to follow the weight and wellness eating plan to reduce your inflammation Mm -hmm. and rebalance your hormones. Yeah. And since we are coming up to the end of the hour, you know, if if people have questions that have not been answered, you can always call one of our offices if you're if you're local or even if you're not local, 651-699-3438. Or if it's easier, you can always just shoot me an email, cara at weightandwellness.com. I will do my best to answer your question. And just want to mention a new thing that we're doing with our Dishing Up Nutrition shows is we're transcribing them. So if you heard today's show and you missed something like a doctor's name or name of a supplement, Go to our website. It's weightandwellness.com. And if you just click on podcasts, you're you're going to find all of the transcripts um, from our recent Dishing Up Nutrition podcasts. Yeah, that's that that's great. I love that they're transcribing those now. I do too, because you're you know, people are often driving or doing maybe they're yeah. cook hopefully they're cooking, right? Cooking. They're in the kitchen. <laughs> While they're listening and they might miss something. Yeah, I love that. I'm always um, I'm always listening to past podcasts in the kitchen while I'm making dinner. So. Yeah. So our goal here at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a very simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life changing. So thank you so much for listening today and have a healthy food day. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.